Hello, and welcome to Time Between Times Storytelling, my friends. Gosh, outside the wind is strong. It roars through the valley like a hungry wolf looking for its prey. The wind is strong. The trees are blowing. The roof is just about holding on. But we are here, gathered together, friends at the fire pit, at the heart of the forest. So welcome, where another tale will be traditionally told by me, Owen Staten, Kreusova Frindiae. Here is a place where you can relax. Here is a place where you can leave your worldly cares and worries behind for just a few moments as we explore a tale traditionally told. If you can, and it's safe to do so, I would like you to sit back, relax, close your eyes and let your imagination open wide as a tide of tales is about to overwhelm you. Imagine that you are sat at your home. You can feel the darkness start to descend. You can feel the light ending the day. Most people would now be snuggling up in front of the telly or a good book. But not you. You have a place to go. A place where you are wanted, a place where you are needed, a place where all your friends may gather. You stand up, put on your coat, make your way out of your house and down the old path towards the woods. The mist is starting to fall like a shroud. The cars and motorbikes spin and wheeze up and down the road. But you take a right and head towards the forest. In front of you, the trees stretch to the sky almost lost to sight as they stretch as high as the clouds, or so it seems. You take a deep breath, step onto broken old crunchy leaves and make your way into the forest. The path winds round and to the left, back and to the right, deeper and deeper into the heart of the woods you go. Small shapes flutter from the side, Shadows and shadows, shadows. They're caught just at the side of vision. And just when you feel you may go no further, that you have come too far, that home is just too far away, you see it, the flickering fire at the heart of the forest. But you have reached the fire pit. Your friends have gathered here, all those people that mean so much to you. Your heart leaps with joy as you see them look and smile at you, wave at you, as you take your seat next to the fire. You can feel its heat on your feet, on your hands, on your face. Everything that has bothered you for days gone by now vanish on a slight breeze. You look up. You can see both the sun and the moon in the same sky. For now is the time between times. The time when it's neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey. The time when the veil between our world and the fairy world grows wafer, wafer thin. So thin 
And for a few moments you can reach into their realm, and for a few moments they can reach into ours. Now is the time that people see lights in the sky. Now is the time that people see the Tulwith Tag. Now is the time that people see ghosts. And now is a time when tales are told. So let me take you back long ago and not far away to the Swansea Valley and the great mountain of the Cribarth, known as the Sleeping Giant. If you look at the Cribarth, you will see it looks like a man asleep on his back and can be seen for miles around, and many other tales told of this mountain. But that is not the subject of our tale today. Oh, no. Our subject is the small inn at Pantaferch, which was once owned by an old man called Gwalter. Now the small inn had been there for hundreds of years in a narrow gully down the side of the Cribar. Stone wall, thatched roof, many had the traveller ever been who had passed through its doors over the years. The innkeep, Gwalter, was known to be a rich man, but also a strange man. For you see, every night... At close of play, if you like, when all the travellers were either going to bed or taking the long and dusty road home, he would turn to those in the bar and offer the food that was left in the kitchen to the fairies, to the Tulwith Teg. He would place them all on one great big plate, walk outside the bar, and place the plate on the step to the inn. And in the morning it was said that it was always gone, the food was cleared, the plate was clean. And Gwaster had a wealth that no other man in the valley possessed, and rumours abound that the fairies paid him back in gold and silver. He was kindly and strange and full of stories, and people would travel for miles around just to hear his tales at the hearth there in the inn. In the Cribarth, there are many dark paths. Some go to old forgotten lakes at the middle of the mountains, others to caves that go deep beneath the earth, others to small pools almost forgotten. One is a green colour, one shines almost gold, and people know better than to travel those paths at night. On this night, this very night, Long, long ago, Gwalter once again was making merry at the inn. There was a small crowd who had gathered, drinking ale and eating food, and happy in their song and in their laughter. But then far away, you could hear the church bells ringing, and midnight was upon them. Everyone left, except two men sat by the fireplace that Gwalter did not know. They seemed black of heart. All night they had joined in no merriment, had told no one who they were. And all night they had watched him come and go. In his heart he knew that they were there for his treasure. They were there to find where all his gold and silver were kept. And they were there to take it in whichever way they could. A plan came to his mind. He walked into the inn, called to the two remaining men. My friends, I am about to close the inn for the night. 
I am about to say good night to you all. But as I do every night, I offer this platter of food which has gone uneaten by the good patrons of my pub on this night. To the Tullwith Take, to the very folk, to the fairy folk of these mountains. I will place this upon the step which leads to the inn and offer my thanks for the protection that they always give me. I hope that you will remain inside whilst I do this, out of respect to the Bendith Amamai. I will return in mere moments. That you know. He stepped outside the inn. He placed the food upon the instep. But then, instead of offering his, his, his votive, if you like, to the fairy folk, he took off his boots one by one. He walked a little distance from the inn and placed one boot on the ground. He walked a further distance up towards the mountain and placed the other boot on the ground. Then he took off his hat, moved a little further up the path and placed it on the ground where it could be easily found. And then he hid behind a bush. Sure enough, only moments passed before the inn door opened and the two murderous vagabonds stepped out into the night. He could feel them take a step back as the cold of the mountain hit them. He could see them grabbing their coats around their slender frames as they stepped out into the darkness. They immediately looked down at the plate of food, and he could see them laughing to each other. And then he saw the glint of a knife under both their coats and knew that his instincts were right. They were here to murder him on this night. He placed his head down. The two scoundrels walked a little way up the path and discovered the one boot. They chatted amongst each other. They walked a little further and Gwaltair saw that they had come across the other boot. This time they picked it up and examined it. He hoped in his heart that his plan would work as they moved further up the pathway and found his hat. Placed as it was, the side of a small stone. One of the scoundrels picked up the hat and placed it on his head in a mark of disrespect and then they both drew their knives. Gwaltir hid as he, they came so close that he could see the steam on their breath. He could hear their horrible chatter. He knew that they were coming to find him. And he offered his little prayer to God above, and in the hope that the Telwith Teg would look after him. As the two rogues reached the end of the road, he saw them look, for there in front of them was a great marsh, and there in front of them was what was known as a fond gwyrth. There was the green pool. He saw them look at it, just as the moon started to shine upon the pool. And there, sure enough, a magic was worked. What the villains saw was the pool seemed to be filled with gold. Sparkling lights shimmered on its surface, and in its depths there seemed to be treasures untold. At this point, just after midnight, this was shown to all those who came to this place at the heart of the mountains. 
and he saw the both of them rush forward. He heard one of them call, The old man keeps his gems in the pool. You can see it shining in the night. Can you not? He saw them both removing their boots, and then he saw them both plunging into the waters of the pool. And then he knew that his cries and asking for help from the Tulwith Teig came true. For as soon as they hit the pool, they realised that this was not gold under water. This was not treasure just left. This was not the old man's inheritance just left at the bottom of a pond. This was something truly to be feared, because it was only when they got this close that they saw that the shimmering in the water was not gold, silver, nor even copper, but candles burning deep beneath the water. Candles, corpse candles, there to lure villains to their doom. They both spun round on their heels and started to rush and push their way through the water to get to the side of the pond. It was then that the little hands reached from the door, from the pond, from the lake, and pulled at their clothes, pulling them deep beneath the water. Both vagabonds screamed and cried to the heavens as more little arms emerged from the water and pulled them under it to their doom. From afar, Gwallger watched as the two men were lost beneath the waters, their arms the last thing to disappear, never to be seen again. He took a gulp and a deep breath and made his way back to the Pantefurch Inn, and there on the doorstep was an empty plate, but this time with a small note that simply said, We thank you for dinner and food. We thank you for all that you give. We have repaid you tonight in kind. We will continue to look after you. It is said, my friends, that long after the innkeeper died, Long after the Pantefruch Inn had fallen into ruin and no treasure had ever been found. But if you walk in the mountains near the Cribarth when the moon is high, if you walk in the valleys where the Cribarth at the time between times and you come across that lake, although it is seldom found, the green shimmering lake, and you look into its waters when the moon is high, you will see the shining gems underneath its waters, but also the haunted, hideous faces of those who have been pulled under and drowned for whatever crimes they have tried to commit against the Tulwith Teg. And that, my friends, is the tale of the Pantafurch Rogues who tried to rob an old man who was friends with the Tulwith Teg on a dark night long ago. 
Thank you, my friends, for listening. My name is Owen Staten, and I am the host of Time Between Times Storytelling. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen S. Griffiths. You can have a look at my YouTube channel, which has a new story posted on there only last week. Please like and subscribe to that. If you want to support me, please go to my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com forward slash Owen Staten, and buy me a coffee. It would be much appreciated. Or maybe become a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Owen Staten 7. I thank you ever so much for listening. I thank you for joining me here at the time between times, at the heart of the forest, at the fire pit. You are all my friends, you know that. No matter what happens in our lives, we are always known that here is a place of happiness where tales are traditionally told. But do not wander in the Cribbath all at night when the moon is full and the sky is dark. For only grief comes to those with evil in their heart when the Tulwith Teg move amongst the shadows. No star, my friends. Good night. <laughs>